0: This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between.
1: This week, Forever Night. Season three, episode 22.
2: And so, in your eyes, I'm the devil.
1: Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast where everybody dies. I'm Luke, here with my co host Jordan. What's real, Jordan?
0: Have we ever seen a show where essentially everyone dies at the end?
1: I loved it, man. It was so funny. It's just like, dead,
0: dead, dead, dead. I'm like, let's go, let's kill everybody. Characters dead off screen, characters dead in the episode, end it. People die. You're like, oh, this is a. This show is over. The show is over. Yeah, they, they want to let you know the show is over.
1: <laughs> That's it. We've made it, Jordan. We've taken the escape pod. We've skipped all of season three. Even though we were only going to watch the top three episodes, we're not even watching those. We're getting right to the finale of Forever Night.
0: Yeah, although uh, we, we sort of uh, buried the lead a little bit there uh, by mentioning that some of these characters are going to die. Um, two of the characters from season two that died before this episode apparently die off screen in the last episode of season two so like we wouldn't have seen them in season three at all they just died in the last episode
1: oh is that you think it was was in the last episode i didn't know when they died i knew there was a retool because he has a new partner and a new captain but
0: i looked it up yeah so uh we'll just say now before we get into it skanky and what was the new captain's name amanda cohen amanda cohen they both die in i believe it's a plane crash But they it's a helicopter
1: explosion jordan (laughs)
0: But but it but it, it happens off camera and it's in the last episode of season two, so they just retool for season three.
1: That's interesting. I mean, it's not exactly off camera because we see a flashback to it and we see the helicopter explode.
0: That's true. I think I think uh, it's just everything I've read. They kept saying like I guess they didn't get the death that people maybe had wanted. I'm assuming the actors maybe were already off the lot. Yeah.
1: Listen, even in the flashback when I watched it, I'm just like. I was like, this is probably not what anyone wanted. Because it's just like Skanky or uh, Nick looks up in the sky and he sees the helicopter. The helicopter explodes. He's like, Skanky. (laughs) I'm like, Skanky was in a helicopter?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what happened. I have to say, there's a couple episodes. um, I was looking through uh, some tropes of the show and some stuff. And and I pulled a couple episodes of a few plot lines we didn't didn't see for episodes. And I'll just tell you real quick. There's one that was, um, uh, here's the plot of the episode. Natalie uses vampire blood to increase a mentally challenged teenager's intelligence to enable him to act as a witness in a murder investigation. Ooh! How I know! I know! I saw that. I was like, Ooh! That will be handled with, uh, with uh, kid gloves and all nuance possible.
1: There is an episode about AIDS, I believe, as well. That I was a little, I was a little nervous about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's also one. Um, uh, oh, here's here's something I also learned. Apparently, in this universe, Luke. In one episode, this episode called "Word of God," um, apparently, male vampires can't have erections, so blood drinking is not just a part of sex, but a substitute for sex.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: One last thing I learned was uh, LaCroix's daughter. Uh, her name was Diva. Divia. Apparently, in she comes back in an episode, and she, he apparently stuck her in a sarcophagus. That's where she's been all this time. She she comes out and wants to have sex with him, and he won't do it because she's his daughter. Um, and she is, like, really pushing for it for some reason. And then he apparently has the line. He always goes, um, I always thought evil was a finite entity until you showed me otherwise. Even I have my limits. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that's another one that's, uh doesn't sound too hot.
1: I mean, I'm interested in that one. I'm interested in his super evil daughter. <laughs>
0: yeah but apparently he just stuck her in a sarcophagus for like a couple thousand years
1: that's great that's great character motivation
0: yeah well i mean you you get bored in there oh yeah you go quite
1: crazy jordan quite crazy (laughs) anyways well jordan should we recast this movie as a modern blockbuster should we decide what a new a new version of
0: uh forever night would look like a new and improved version as a multi-billion dollar movie from 2023 they're like hey, what's an IP that's uh, sitting there ready to use? And someone says, forever night. We're spending Avatar money on this. That's right. Of course. Well, we know it's going to be a big hit with the the cast we're putting together.
1: Uh, Well, first up, Jordan, Nick Knight,
0: our star hero. Okay, well, I have two picks as per usual, and I have two picks for everything. And uh, I thought Nick's kind of like, he just needs to be mopey. He doesn't really need to be a very strong actor. He just needs to walk around and look pouty and stuff. And I thought, who's a good, really pouty actor? And, like, like, ladies still would like him. And so I thought old uh, uh, Jon Snow himself, Kit Harington. Kit
1: Harington. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the direct-to-DVD
0: version of this. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I did just say a multi-billion dollar version. I don't know if he's that, but I just, I was thinking Bope. I do have a second pick, but but give me who you think. Sure, sure.
1: Well, a uh, little little tease behind the scenes here. We're recording this literally during the Oscar ceremony. That's right. So I've got possible Oscar winner, Austin Butler, Elvis Presley himself.
0: Oh, okay. I I, I didn't see Elvis and I don't think I've seen him in anything, so I don't know anything other than he was Elvis. But he's very sure.
1: handsome. He's got a, that very gaunt face you want from a vampire. And uh, he really puts himself into the role. So I think that might bring a little thing. And if he wins this Oscar, Jordan, look out.
0: Well, I think I think we have to hedge our bets as whether he's going to win or not. I think he's going to, right? Are we going to sound dumb now uh, when this comes out? I think no, I think,
1: I think let's call it right now. Let's call it weeks in advance or weeks after the fact. Austin Butler <laughs> won an Oscar. Yeah, we'll just edit this if we're wrong.
0: We'll be like, he definitely is not the winner.
1: There's definitely no way for us to check during this recording
0: um the second uh pick i have is um another oscar winner uh also for playing a famous uh singer uh, musician i thought also in the same vein of like uh, who's kind of good at being like kind of mysterious and stuff uh, uh rami malik
1: rami malik oh that's an interesting choice it's not bad i went a little older for my second choice but i kind of was trying to find that um handsome but a little off-putting vampire-y kind of thing and i went with joaquin phoenix
0: joaquin phoenix i thought you went jeff bridges maybe you said older Dude, that's like ancient jordan that's an elderly man <laughs> joaquin phoenix yeah i i, I kind of like that but i think you know what though i think what's his face is uh what's his name uh skippy uh tyler what's the guy's name austin butler austin butler i knew he had two uh, uh surnames uh i think because he's going to win this oscar Uh, which we'll edit later i think uh i think he's the one we have to do because we need an oscar winner
1: yeah we definitely need oscar winner austin beller i agree i uh i've seen elvis i think he could pull it off
0: okay let's do it okay so who's next up
1: is it natalie lambert of course dr natalie natalie lambert the coroner
0: okay i have two picks i don't feel terribly confident but i have two people I'll give I'll give you the first one. It's always pretty good in everything I saw. I don't know. I, I think like she, it, Marvel Money's probably drying drying up. She needs something to do. So I went with <laughs> a, a, Elizabeth Olsen.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Elizabeth Olsen Is it over for her? Are, are we are we at like like are we at peak Elizabeth Olsen? Can we take any
0: more? I think she might be I think I think her heyday might be done. I think she needs to start like showing up in independent movies, you know?
1: I like her, but I do feel like she I've become burnt out on her.
0: <laughs> well, wow. so who do you have?
1: Well, I went with cuz I was trying to think the, about Natalie and she's a little more nebbish actually. She's a bit of a little uh, nerdy, a nerdy girl. As I think as I think maybe they don't lean into enough on the show, so I tried to like put her in that sort of like scientist. She's not necessarily like a supermodel. She's more like a scientist who is always working. And so I tried to pick a couple fun, interesting characters to fill that role. And my first choice was uh, Beanie Feldstein. Okay. Uh, best known perhaps as Jonah Hill's sister, but I think she has a, a certain look to
0: her. I find her a little bit annoying. Is that terrible for me to say? <laughs>
1: I, I mean, I can't affect your personal choices.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I know people are probably upset. I, I just found her a little annoying. I think I've only seen her maybe once or twice, so that perhaps that's not fair. I'm not saying she's not right for this role, but personally, I'd be like, eh, really? Well, here's my, here's, well, my, here's my second pick uh uh english actress just coming off of uh i think she's english she might not be i think she's english coming off of uh game of thrones 2 whatever that show's called the game of game of thrones this time it's personal um uh, olivia cook i saw her in a couple things i think like, oh she's a good actress olivia cook i
1: can't picture her what else was she in i don't know it was in,
0: independent stuff she was in that movie uh remember the guy couldn't hear anymore and they were in a band together
1: oh yes yes yes
0: i think she didn't have eyebrows in that <laughs> I'm well, honestly, I, I'm the worst. If I don't have someone who tell me the titles and names of people, I just it's horrible. It's like a, a guessing game.
1: I went with my second choice as Mindy Kaling because I was thinking sort of like again interesting
0: choice for like a coroner. You're gonna say she's annoying too, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's just me. It's just my personal. I'm not. I'm nothing against. Her. I'm sure she's a lovely person. I also find her a little bit annoying. Yeah. Let
1: me ask you a quick question, Jordan. Yeah. How do you feel about Dr. Natalie Lambert in the show?
0: Yeah, d- d- Dr. Natalie, I feel is. A character. I even after all these episodes, I still don't know who who she's supposed to be. Because by the end, it seems like she's like in love with Nick, but I never got that sense for the first couple episodes or first couple seasons. So I don't. I don't know who's your character. Is. She couldn't be less developed.
1: <laughs> but you don't find her a little bit annoying, is what you're saying?
0: <laughs> no, but I don't find her a little bit annoying. However, I'm. I. You know what? I think you have a better take on this than me. So disregard my annoyances. Who do you think would would. Uh, would make sense for this role
1: i'm trying to remember who you said and uh one of them i don't know and the other one i don't remember
0: (laughs) elizabeth olsen you said you were done with her
1: oh yeah yeah um no not elizabeth olsen i don't think i can't go that way i'm sorry let's go with your second one though let's go with olivia moon or whatever her name was
0: olivia cook
1: i'm gonna just trust you on this olivia cook that she's an up-and-comer that's really gonna bring something to this role i i can't picture who she is i have no idea but i'm gonna trust you on this one
0: Okay. All right. Let's go with that.
1: I don't want you to be annoyed the whole time we're making
0: it. (laughs) I have nothing to do with it. (laughs) I'm just casting. I'm just casting. You guys make this movie. Okay. I think here's where the, I think the show's, it's going to, it's going to really make or break it. We got to go with LaCroix. LaCroix.
1: Absolutely. This is, this is the one. This is the scene stealer. This is the guy who's going to chew up all the scenes with everybody. It's going to be a great time. It's where you're coming to the movie in some ways.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So my first pick is just because, He's in everything. I think everyone seems to love him and he he doesn't there's no more rules for anyone else. So I put uh Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal, eh?
1: Interesting. Yeah. I mean everyone does love him. That's true. He's very yeah. he's very very watchable man. Yeah, I'm trying to think how this would work with him. Maybe. I could see it maybe.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a different character.
1: I also just tried to think of like real scene stealing character actors for this. Um. So my yeah. first choice was Michael Shannon.
0: Oh, I really like that. Yeah, it's better than mine. I went with it in a similar direction, but yours is a better choice. Now who do you have for number two? Matthew McConaughey.
1: Yeah, that's, there's a move there. There's a move there for sure.
0: Yeah, but I think Michael Shannon's great. I think that's great. Also now, uh, not annoying.
1: <laughs> you haven't heard my second choice yet, though. Okay, who's that? I want someone who's going to steal the scene. He has to be older. You know, he has to be be the older vampire and is really just going to, like, surprise the audience. And really, like, every time he's on screen, you're going to be like, I can't believe this. Jeff Bridges. And that is LaCroix is played by
0: Snoop Dogg. (laughs) Okay. You know what? It's funny. I like it. However, I'm going to say this. Based on our first two leads, I I think that's a different movie.
1: You're not wrong. Maybe he can't keep up with the acting at that point. So, uh, If think? our
0: leads had been different, I think I think Snoop Dogg would be a great choice. But I think just because you've got—we're we're making a prestige movie here at this point. And, I, and no offense to Snoop Dogg, I don't think he's going in a prestige movie.
1: All right. Well, who do you want to go with then?
0: It's got to be Michael Shannon.
1: All right. We'll go with Michael Shannon then. I agree. He'll do a great job. Who do we got next? Jeanette? Jeanette, the—I uh, guess French. We'll, I, let's keep her French. The, the French vampire. Who runs a nightclub?
0: Yeah. I have two choices and I realized I was trying to like, because I think one point I did these and we were making fun of how old my choices were. So I've been trying to really have pick like younger, younger actors and actresses. So, But now I'm like, maybe these are too young because I have trouble differentiating people's ages at this point. But my first pick was uh, another actor, actress, I'm not sure what we say at this point, um, uh, that seems to be in everything, which is Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, she's definitely everywhere. She has a look, a vampire-y look. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I could see that. I could see that. I, as I sort of alluded to, have kept it very French. So I've got two <laughs> options here. Who do you got? I've got uh, Leia Seydoux from uh, what, what she's in uh, the James Bond movie, Spectre, oh, yeah. the new one. And then also, okay. uh, I believe, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol.
0: Yeah, I th- I'll also already think that's a better pick. All right, who's your second Yeah, see, I went with um, the actress. Again, I'm trying to like, who's hip and the kid's like? I picked the um, actress from um, Sex Education, uh, Emma McKay.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen that. So another one that I maybe don't have. uh, Oh, she's quite young. Isn't she? uh, Adam McKay's daughter. Oh, I don't
0: know. Maybe. I'm not sure. I think Adam McKay's daughter's out there somewhere bouncing around as an actor. (laughs) Sorry. I always feel sometimes when we say stuff like this, there's someone listening to this just screaming at us right now. Like, you guys don't know anything. and It's true. I don't. I'm gonna mispronounce this name
1: and I apologize to uh you know everyone because this is what this mm-hmm. entire show is about is me mispronouncing names but it's uh Marion Cotefford is that how, I'm not sure if that's how you say it um she's the she's the actress from inception
0: oh uh Quittard, Quittard, Quittard? Bar- I, I'm I'm a big fan of her I think she has the most lovely eyes
1: I thought she would be good she's she's got the French thing going she's a she's a real legit actress
0: oh yeah I, I think she should be in it she's great Marion Quittard. That's what we're gonna call it. Qu- go with it. Quittard or something. Yeah, I, I, it's something to that effect.
1: All right, I'll put her. I'll put her in the cast then. I, I wrote it down phonetically, and I still couldn't pronounce it.
0: <laughs> okay, who do you got for Detective uh, Don Shanky? Or and, and in the movie, I think Skanky. Skanky. I was gonna say. I think we should pronounce it differently in the movie. It should be like Shonke. Shonke.
1: No, I think we gotta go Skanky. That's super skank? coming for it. You you got, you, got the, you gotta
0: give that nickname Skank. That's right. That's true. Well, So I have I have two picks, two weird picks, I thought, because lean in a little bit to the, a little bit of the comedy element, how far you want to go in that kind of depends on who you pick. But my first one is, I'm going to butcher his last name. So I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce it. But it's, um, you'd recognize his face. I don't, I just see him in everything. But Jason Manzoukas.
1: Oh, yeah. Jason is Very funny. Yeah. That's
0: actually not yeah. a bad
1: choice at all. Actually, I could see, I could see Jason Manzoukas doing a good job there. He's a little yeah. big, but that's not such,
0: I think he could bring it down. That's what I mean. It depends on kind of like where you're going to go. It's like how how much comedy do you want? But I thought, wait, well, that's an interesting pick.
1: I did agree, though. Obviously, we both know this is sort of a
0: comic character. I My first choice was Seth Rogen. Oh, you know what? That's not bad. I don't know if Seth Rogen's doing that sort of stuff in this point of his career, but that's not bad.
1: I mean, he's older now, which I think leads, leads well to the character. And I think, you know... I don't think he'd be as broad, but he'd still have his little laugh that he does. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a comedy beat.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, somewhat along that line, my second pick was uh, uh, Walton Goggins.
1: Oh, Walton Goggins. I love Walton Goggins. I mean, a d- darker portrayal, probably. But I like yeah. the idea.
0: Yeah. So I think I think it's interesting that we're I think you and I are hitting somewhere around the same same point. It's just how far do you want to go in one direction or another? Right.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, this will be the third remake of Forever Night basically. <laughs> That's right. So I I don't see why we don't bring John Capless back. So he's my fourth he's my
0: second. <laughs> John Capless playing an older version of his character, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's
1: still a detective he never he never aged up.
0: I mean, there's something funny about that.
1: I don't know, what do you think? I'm not sure. I could all of these are interesting choices. That I think you I think any of them could work actually. Yeah, you know, but I think we need to look at the rest of the cast and and cast around that because we've really set up kind of a pretty A-list cast at this point.
0: Well, well, what what is the relationship we're kind of be pushing a little bit with um with Nick? Um, Is this going to be a bit of an older uh, detective? Is this going to be more of a peer? Is this going to be like because that I'm um uh Jimmy Jimmy uh two times uh, the the guy who's playing our lead here. He's I'm assuming he's in his 20s, right? This guy Elvis boy.
1: Yeah, yeah, he'll be quite young. But you have to remember. He's young, but he's quite he's quite old mentally, right? So we kind of maybe need to offset that by having mm. a detective who maybe thinks he knows more, but is actually like like Skanky himself is maybe not that like qualified to be doing
0: the job. Yeah, well, I, I don't know what and and uh, I don't know. I kind of like Seth Rogen. I think it's interesting.
1: It would be interesting. I like his look these days. He's grayed out a lot, so it might be an interesting like case. And I I think you're right. He can he has a little more range maybe than. Um, than some of the other characters so maybe he couldn't like you know he doesn't have to play genki as over the top
0: yeah let's let's go with seth rogan i think it's a really interesting pick
2: yeah
1: i think it could be interesting for sure i mean especially in this prestige blockbuster with avatar level effects okay toronto's never looked so good <laughs> it's oh, still cg in toronto. toronto though we're not shooting here we're, we're shooting in uh in atlanta but it's all going to be on a parking
0: lot green screen <laughs> well we get that above the line tax credit right exactly um, and I have two directors and they're in two very different uh, styles. So this is going to be what kind of movie you want, Luke, but I'll, I'll give you my first pick. All right. Um, and again, Oscar nominated actor, actor, Oscar nominated director, Todd Field. Todd Field. <laughs> I just saw
1: Tar. So that's an interesting choice.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going to be a very different. Um, but what I was thinking is a very really leading in the sort of like atmosphere of, 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 of. This show that this show, uh, the actual TV show we're watching, which we will talk about, I promise you. Um, they're kind of going for it at times, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went a similar direction. I, th- I guess we have Oscar fever over here during the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Because I do also have Oscar went an, uh, I believe an Oscar winner anyway. And my thought was like, this is more sweeping drama, like big emotions kind of thing. But I went with Jane Campion of Power of the Dog oh, director.
0: Oh,
1: oh,
0: that's a, also a good pick. You know what's funny? I, I, I have to say, I quite like that. I quite like that pick. I like it better than Todd Field. Um, I went for something, a real Hail Mary for my second pick. And I think you'll get a chuckle out of this. But here me out. He needs a little bit of money. <laughs> and uh, he's promising he'll keep it on budget uh, He's a little bit older But he kind of needs the gig and, and it's good for our poster Francis Ford Coppola is coming out for it
1: Is he going to survive the movie he's currently working on I know I gonna...
0: Well he needs to finance that The movie's going to go down He's going to make this movie to make some money He'll so make he this finish. in between
1: so he can go back yeah. and finish the other one <laughs> Yeah, That's right That's some good leverage I like the leverage we'd have over him I do like that
0: Yeah you want to get that money you better finish this well my
1: second pick i went a little bit different like i I did prestige drama and then i was like well maybe we can get like a prestige maybe a little more in the thriller angle take that side of the vampire Mm. thing so i went Mm. with um director i believe just not not winning oscar but nominated for an oscar uh emerald fennel who directed promising young woman
0: Mm. interesting i still think I have to say, Jane Campion is just such a fun pick. I think it's so... It's just... It's so out there. I think that's... That's would be my pick. I think that's too good. I
1: think it's good. I I think this show's all about emotions, and it'll be big emotions from her. Everything's going to be bigger than life emotion.
0: It's a lot of sweeping shots of of Elvis uh, staring off, thinking about his life, you know? His hair is blown in the wind.
1: He's looking out across Lake Ontario.
0: (laughs) That's actually... Lake Atlanta? What do they have in Atlanta? Is there a lake there?
1: No, it'll all be CG. Don't worry about it.
0: That's what I mean. Do they? Have, oh, it's all CG. I thought they would just replace a lake. No, no, no. I don't know my, my Atlanta geography.
1: We just we just set up a parking lot with
0: a green screen
1: and we shoot it all there. Yeah.
0: I mean, it, it's affordable. I th- I mean, so let's do a rundown of this marvelous piece of uh, cinema we put together.
1: Forever Night, the movie. That's what the poster the movie. says.
0: <laughs> Forever Night, the movie with an exclamation mark. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh Nick Knight is Austin Butler, fresh off his Oscar win as Elvis. Mm hmm. Yeah. We're really committing to that right now. It's definitely he's
0: definitely winning the Oscar. I love it.
1: There's Dr. Natalie Lambert, Olivia Cook.
0: Up and coming. You don't remember, but you know. I don't know. She might she be is, winning an Oscar.
1: But she's in she's in the new Game of Thrones, there's so gotta be somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got LaCroix played by Michael Shannon, who's just <laughs> doing a great job. You know he's chewing ah. up those scenes.
0: Another Oscar nominated actor. I can't remember if he won, but I know he's been nominated.
1: You remember when he played Zod? You remember his, uh, he's he's got that like uh, facial hair that makes him look exactly like Bam Majero from uh, Jackass?
0: (laughs) I really like Michael Shannon. I like him in everything. Uh, Then
1: we've got Jeanette, and I believe we've got Marion Cotard playing her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she's just, you'd just be looking at her lovely eyes the whole time.
1: Yeah. It's kind of nice. I like that for her. She just gets to character act it. She's in the club. She's just like a person for Nick to go talk to. She doesn't have to like do a lot. she just has to like chew the scenery too, and I think she'd do a good job,
0: yeah, and then uh we got the t- we got his partner
1: detective Don Skanky. I like this. I can totally see Seth Rogen washing a car. It's gonna be great,
0: yeah, that's right, yeah, and he's yeah he's a little bit he's a little bit older, but in reality he's actually quite a bit younger than than uh than Nick giving this weird dynamic. I think it's great,
1: yeah, it's good. he's showing Nick the ropes, but Nick Nick knows all the ropes
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's, he's had many careers, and I think he's even has, like, a hilarious Trotsky facial hair on his driver's license.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I actually like it, too, because when we bring Jane Champion into direct, she'll really tie it all together. She's going to bring these elements. Mm. Seth Rogen's going to be elevated. He's going to win an Oscar for this. Seth Rogen's going to win his first Oscar
0: because of this movie. I think so. It's great. I can't wait to go to next year's ceremony. Yeah. I mean, we've done a great job. If, if you don't want to see this movie, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you.
1: I know, I know, right? Well, that was fun, um, Jordan.
0: That was, but unfortunately, we have to talk about the show, the actual show now.
1: I know, Jordan. I know this has been a real slog for you.
0: Yeah, and I and I have to say, I feel bad because I understand what it is that people like about this show, and uh, I get that there's a very big fan base. There's a lot of uh, uh, just people still talk about the show. Like, I see there's people doing fan fiction that's like recent like people like the show i just think the execution of the show it, it it doesn't warrant the people's response to it i think it's i think th- these people who love it could be asking for a much better show
1: well you know jordan i think you've made your point and i think your case is fair i think it's been fair the whole time mm-hmm. i've obviously felt a little bit differently yeah but i think there's just one more voice we need to hear from before like we make a final judgment on this yeah
2: Jordan, 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 (laughs) Jordan. Hi, I'm Detective Don Skanky from the show Forever Night, also known as John Kapalos, actor extraordinaire. (laughs) I understand from a little birdie, no, let let me rephrase that. I understand from Luke that you like to watch Forever Night, that it's perhaps one of your favorite shows, and... Yes, that I play Don Skanky, and that may be one of your favorite characters. (laughs) But I also understand, Jordan, that you have a problem with some of the pedantic plots. Okay. (laughs) All right. So there may be inconsistencies in what Knight likes to drink or what he does from episode to episode or season to season. But those are just sort of minor little flaws, minor little things that happen in a... TV show when it goes from one writer to another or from one producer to another and they don't really care what the other one does or thinks. <laughs> and that often happens in network TV, or in this case, late night, crime time after prime time TV is on CBS. But I think as a fan, you're willing, as a real fan, you should be willing to overlook those small inconsistencies and, and go right to the heart of the matter, which is the wonderful <laughs> I was robbed by the Emmy people, performance by certain actors, and also the sort of the fact that it was a cutting edge before its time thing, before like Buffy and all that other stuff, Twilight and all that other stuff. So Jordan, we have to look at this in terms of television history and what this show actually contributed to those, such as yourself, who are coming to it rather lately in their lives, perhaps, or in the life of the show, and realizing what a gem this show is. So put down your pedantic plot criticizing weapon and look at the show with straight, beautiful eyes and realize that you, a tea snob, a person who loves the finer points of chamomile, black tea and jasmine tea, should know better. So Jordan, from one tea lover to another and from one forever night aficionado to the other, carry on. And realize that your best friend, or at least he considered you his best friend, wants you to know <laughs> that the plots are not pedantic. They're inspired. They're original. They're creative. They're inconsistent, but they're also brilliant, not unlike a flawed diamond. <laughs> Take care. Bye bye.
1: There you go. Man, Join oh, a new voice to bring you to the last episode of uh, <laughs> Forever Night.
0: Well, I mean that that was. I have to say, what a, what a, um impressive amount of uh, a material uh, Mr. Capitalist did there for us.
2: <laughs> That's lovely.
0: I must say, it was uh, very
1: fun. He uh, Listener, he's on Cameo now. I found out while we were doing this show. I got a little Cameo done up there. I highly recommend you get one from him. He's very funny.
0: Yeah, that was really good. That's funny. You know what? It's almost turned me around on the show. He, has he
1: changed your mind?
0: <laughs> it's almost turned me around on the show. Just on how great that was
1: <laughs> I uh, I reached out to uh, past guest's wife Jane uh, Steve Steve's wife Jane, and I said uh, she should get him one where she tells him uh, about the time he accosted <laughs> him at an airport. <laughs> that is
0: funny. I, th- that would be I'd like to see that too. I would also love to see that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for doing that. That's very funny. <laughs> All right, Jordan, let's get into it. let's get
0: into the final episode. Well, let me just say, what a bummer that John Kapalos isn't in this. As we kind of mentioned at the beginning of this episode, he's dead. The character's dead. Yeah, I will
1: say, had we started season three and not skipped it, and I got into the first episode and realized John Kaplos was no longer in the show, I, that might have been too much. I don't know I don't know how I would have felt about the show after that.
0: Yeah, okay, we'll talk about it and we'll go through it. But, like, he has a new partner. And I went and I looked at a little bit of the, the, the character. So if you want to know about it, Luke, I can tell you a little bit about Detective Tracy. But, like... I don't know. I just don't think she's pulling the same same weight as uh, old Mister Capolos.
1: I mean, Skanky and Lacroix are key parts of what I was enjoying about the show, so I was sad to see him gone for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Here's the IMDb summary for season three, episode twenty-two, "Last Night." In the final episode, Nick makes the agonizing choice between life as he knows it or true love. Um,
0: I saw that uh, just just before we started recording. Is that what it is? is I
1: don't is know. It I true think it's love? a pretty generous e- e- explanation for <laughs> the show. Maybe because we haven't seen all the episodes, it, it hasn't quite clicked for us. But I, I guess that's the idea.
0: I guess that's the idea. I'll, I'll mention a couple quick things just to, to get us started one the episode is directed by uh Gerant Davies is that how you pronounce his name I
1: know crazy right that uh, yeah. I mean to get the final episode of your own show and
0: then also direct it yeah that's that's one it's interesting um and uh, uh the second thing i wanted to mention i think this is at least our third time we start an episode with someone in a bath and uh um like that's 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 a lot that's a lot for a show right for the amount of it's episodes crime time seen? after prime time my friend
1: you're in the <laughs> bath i suppose that's true yeah it is interesting it does it does open with this woman in the bath and she's slitting her wrists in a very dark
0: scene it was actually you know uh i was watching it thinking I don't know if this is a fair thing uh, to say, but it it almost seemed—I I know that we're in an age of, like, golden age of television and everything's kind of gritty and real realistic and stuff. But I don't know if you would show this on TV, would you? Like, it's literally the woman cutting her wrists. It is effective. Like, i got going to give this to Grant. Uh, it's a
1: very effective scene, and it's sort of accompanied by a, a, a monologue by LaCroix, which is—we'll keep happening throughout the episode. We'll keep going back to him monologuing, which is— uh, precursor to the final scene but in this opening he sort of monologues about suicide and depression and it's it is just like you're coming in you're like whoa we're in for a heavy final episode
0: yeah and every time he's sort of like waxing poetically as you said it's shot in sort of a there's this like early 90s effect of like i'm not exactly sure how they did it but it almost like there's a water screen in front of the person like there's a very like wavy sort of um, very hazy in, yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and I have to say, it's my least favorite thing of this show is you can just ignore. I understand h- how it ties in him, like sort of like his like poetry. He's he's saying and stuff like it really doesn't add anything to the episode. I didn't think it just felt like filler on an episode that, let's be fair, is also in, in some ways a kind of a clip show. And you're like, how many different elements of filler do you need on an episode? That's this is not a plot based episode.
1: It's a very light episode for sure. It's yeah. If anything, it's more of a denouement than a climax. <laughs>
0: I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. It's almost like, it's like, uh, uh, you finished your book and you're like, and what happened at the very end? You're like, yeah, here's what happened. You know?
1: Yeah. We'll keep coming back to him and we won't, I won't keep talking about it, but he comes back to him a few times and he'll monologue for, for a very decent amount of time, first about suicide and depression, then about the perils of love. And I believe he gives another,
0: uh, monologue about guilt midway through. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's performed like my, my criticism is not how it's performed. Like it's done very like sort of Shakespearean and sort of a big and um, I just, I just didn't think it added anything. Like if you took it out of the episode, I don't think you'd miss it.
1: No, it is more of a tonal piece Um, to an, to an finale in its own ways is very odd. So I have a hard time being like, is it, wrong i'm like i would say in a typical structure it'd be wrong but in this episode i can't i can't say one way or the other like it's very emotionally driven i i I think his suicide and depression monologue is actually pretty like it's a good monologue it's just so
0: strange it's just so strange and let me just say this as as we're getting into this we've watched several episodes of the show obviously we didn't watch season three um this seems a far cry from the first episode doesn't it like that sort of uh, it's going to be, uh, a, uh, a, a, an episode every week where Nick's going to try to find some sort of, um, relic or some sort of item that might give him, uh, uh, cure him and make him human again. That seemed to be what the show was going to kind of be with this B plot of, or at least that would always be the B plot where there might be like a police case or something like that, or someone's discovered his identity or something like that. But this is, that's not what this is at all. Like this is a, to say it's somber is, is to put it mildly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it a pass and that it's a final episode, so I think they're stepping way outside of the format. Um, hmm. But to, to be fair, too, I think by the time we got to the second season, that whole, like, how's Nick going to cure himself had kind of sidelined anyway. I think that had minimized plot-wise, and it had become sort of half-detective show and half, like melodrama basically like soap opera melodrama um and this one in particular i mean certainly leans heavy into the melodrama but like I, i think it's just like distinctly different from probably anything else in the series
0: but i think you're right i think that's a good way to describe it like it's all melodrama all the time like this might this is just like it's drapes blowing with candles and people staring at each other and like just there's, like, one scene where Natalie and Decker are talking, and it just keeps dissolving to one another's face back and forth. It's just—it's so over the top to the point where it's almost, like—it's uh, almost a parody of itself. It's, like, just towing that line.
1: Yeah, it's—there's uh, a long sequence where they're having a, a conversation, and um, they make a real directorial choice, too. Like, there's the dissolving between them, but also the camera's always panning over their faces, like— yes just the camera's always moving at all times it's like a very like static conversation where the camera's just flying around and it is bewildering at times yeah i'd agree but what it is is this woman who's killed herself in the bath it turns out she is a friend of dr nat's uh, they're both doctors apparently and they used to be closer friends they used to get together and commiserate about their lives and their careers until nat at some point realized it's just like their commiserating was actually making it worse it was like really pointing out the like pieces that were missing, the love that was missing from their lives. And so they stopped hanging out, and they drifted apart. But now that she's killed herself, she's actually written, like, a 10 reasons why note directly to Nat about her suicide and left her journal to Nat. And so Nat, for this episode, is becoming quite depressed herself, discussing suicide openly and kind of worrying about sort of having this, like, loveless life. And it it's very strange because the conversation with Nick, and the conversation is about, like, are Nick and her ever going to, I guess, like...
0: Consummate in some way.
1: Consummate their love. Like, is it going to be real? And that truly threatens suicide if he doesn't do it. And I was just like, this is a lot.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because this other doctor, I think it's Dr. Laura Haynes, uh, this sort of... um, One, it's a very... (laughs) How do you say this sensitively? It's a very powerful thing to have written a suicide note directly to one person. And then, um, not quite blaming her, but warning her it's more of a warning a warning and then giving her this you know this diary and all this it's it's a lot to put on someone um irrespective of of suicide and someone's mental mental um uh challenges and that sort of thing not to be insensitive to that but natalie takes it to the point of like yes i guess i have kind of wasted my life and it's now or never and I'll, i'll give this to the show this is not the first time we've seen this. I think it was either last episode or a couple episodes ago where it was the same sort of thing when they thought it was the end of the world. And she was just like, I am making my choice now. Like, she doesn't seem to uh, uh, hesitate too much. She sort of like goes for what she thinks is the most drastic of the options. It seems to be the first thing she does.
1: Yeah. I mean, the idea is here, and I guess this has been there. I think we've seen hints of it is she loves Nick. And I think we're supposed to sense that it's, it's a love that's not like, uh, just a basic like puppy love it's more like she feels it's like something deep and strong and nick mm-hmm. i think reciprocates in some way it's like some sort of like i don't know like true love soulmate kind of thing like we're supposed i think because of the vampire show everything's heightened right so whatever they have is beyond mm-hmm. that and she's basically telling nick it's just like you have to commit to whatever we have here by either turning me into a vampire or doing something or we need to call it off now and i need to kill myself immediately and i'm just like Nat, there's there's some in between here i would hope
0: <laughs> yeah and it's and it's an interesting thing you mentioned the sort of love between these two because i think we've always seen there's been a, a clearly a very close connection in friendship and there's this familial love and we did see it the last episode where they sort of were hinting um around this like a bit of a will they won't they that i hadn't seen before and they're really leaning into it in this but again maybe it's it was more in episodes we didn't see, but it does feel like they're pushing into something that, at least, wasn't on the forefront of the show. Right? That like there's this unresolved uh, uh, love between these two, or there's this uh, uh, longing that hasn't been hasn't been reciprocated somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to give it a pass just in that we haven't seen all of them. It To be like, maybe this was in there somewhere. I just I think maybe the thing that was the most like startling to me was Nat's like very. Very firm ultimatum with some pretty dire consequences where it's like, I don't know if this is how you win someone's heart.
0: Yeah, I know. And it is, it's a little bit of like, hey, here's the deal. Like, are you going to love me or I'm going to kill myself? It's like, ooh, I don't know if this is a healthy relationship.
1: I mean, it's not winning me over. I'm not loving you more right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, um, but what I, what I like though is uh, when she, uh, w- I think the first thing she does is she sort of tells Nick and the first thing you have is like, Nick's just like, oh yeah, that's happened to me too. I've had a friend that, that died. And he's just, it just sort of like made it all about himself. And then he has like this doll from the person in, in this flashback. I'm like, w- what, 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 it's not about you. Shouldn't you be helping your friend?
1: Yeah, it is interesting because they like show the flashback to him and a friend who killed themselves and how that affected him. And then they show a flashback to a time that Nick was also suicidal. I'm just like, mm-hmm. this is a this is a episode that's really heavy right now. Like this
0: should have a content warning. on it. <laughs> But it and I should say it doesn't get any lighter. Like that's just what this episode is.
1: Honestly, probably one of the lightest moments is they show the flashback to the time that Nick and Nat first met, and uh, at least that was a very funny scene to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so what they show is there's a person. I think uh, Luke, you correct me on the details, but there was some sort of robbery or attack or something, and Nick, not being anyone that anyone knows, uh, was a bystander and sort of threw himself in the way of the attack, got, I think, a bomb of some sort hit him yeah, he uh, through this attack.
1: To, he, he tried to intervene on a robbery, and they say, right. and he got a pipe bomb for his troubles.
0: Yeah, so, and they say, like, the guy brings in the body. The body bang is like, to Natalie, who's the coroner, just, you know, this is gonna be really bad. He just got blown up, so it's gonna look really bad when she zips down the... Uh, the zipper and looks at him. He only has some minor injuries and she's like, "Why is this guy kind of freaking out?" And, and what you realize is he has apparently like Wolverine abilities to heal real quick. And uh and then what I like is I it's something I didn't really um realize before, but every time he becomes a vampire, and I assume it has to do with the contacts and the the teeth prosthetics, he really has to overdo it. So all his movements are just so big. And he's like ah 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 all the time. So it's like he suddenly sits up, and he's a vampire, and And that's like how their first meeting that she realizes he's a vampire. That's why he's not dead. But what made me laugh is there's so many questions I had after that. I'm like, wait, so she met him as a vampire. What? Then they became friends. And then she was like, you should join the police academy. And then he did join the police academy. And then they were friends at the same precinct.
1: Yeah. Many, many questions. It, It opened more, more things than it closed for sure.
0: Like, it could have just been they met the first day at work and they're both cops, you know? And then something happened and she accidentally found out who he was. It's like, why did he have to be not a police officer? It makes it way more complicated.
1: She met him as a corpse. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's like, okay. I did like the VFX of the huge gash on his face, like, closing. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Also, and this is, like, very funny to me and it's, like, a great little beat. But she's left in the corner's of the office with of his body and then Nick sits up, like, full vampire mm-hmm. style and they cut to nat and she's on the phone and she turns around and sees him sitting up and her reaction is what the <laughs> is that what she says she just goes she's just all like what the she doesn't even finish the sentence i was like oh, okay, dokie that's no, how i would react if I saw
0: vampire." i said this before i don't i don't think she's a bad actress i haven't seen her in something else and other things i know she's been in other things i feel bad because i think there's nothing for her to do and it just feels like the character is sort of One note and blah all the time, just because they don't know what to do with her. And even in this episode, there's a little bit to do, but I think over three years, she's so ill-defined that I think that's my problem, perhaps with the love story between these two, because it's like, well, what do they love about each other? Because Nick is so broody, blow, boring as a vampire, and it's not like there's nothing terribly evocative about him. And she's so plain Jane because she doesn't have a chance to develop a character. So it's like. I don't even know if I buy them in love because I don't know anything about them after all this time.
1: I think it's maybe the Twilight problem in that you kind of have two blandish characters and uh, mm. I mean in Twilight the thing was the female character was so empty as a vessel so that you could pour yourself into that character. That was that was I think people thought right. was probably the attraction is you could just put yourself in that character because they, they lacked any any specific characterization so they could just be you. Yeah. Um, obviously i don't think either of those things are necessarily planned ideas but maybe maybe that's a little bit what it, for better or worse maybe trying to happen here i don't know
0: you're right but it might be just be uh, to be fair to the show and i don't know if it's true or not but maybe it is what they were kind of going for it's like a trope as you said like that's just what this genre is and maybe it's like yeah the vampire's broody and the reason he's broody is because there's something kind of romantic about it and she's just kind of like in some cases, a damsel in distress, and that's all we need her to be, so we don't need to add more to it. That's not what the character is. Maybe it's just as simple as that.
1: I do agree, though. I think as a result of, you know, the few episodes we've watched, let's be fair, I haven't watched a lot of this, I haven't gotten much of a sense of Natalie. She just is is pretty empty in the episodes we've seen, so it's been tough to, yeah. like, really wrap my head around her as well.
0: Yeah, but there's a apparently a love between the two that is a true love, and it's a love that must become something or is she killing herself
1: she's blowing those brains right out yeah
0: <laughs> Like, okay
1: she's like 31 she's gonna give up on the rest of her life over it.
0: <laughs> yeah and it's and I, just, I just think it's so funny this is the second time she's threatened this over the show
1: but as we have said we're skipped all of season three and there's all these new characters so we do get to meet his new partner detective Tracy Vetter, and a new captain uh, Joe Reese and I was just like can't wait to spend 30 seconds with them before the end of the <laughs>
0: Yeah. Now, I didn't learn anything about uh, uh, Detective Reese, or Captain Reese, excuse me, um, which is a shame, but I did learn the the back story on uh, Detective Tracy Vetter is that her dad is high up in the police department, so thus she's also always charged with um, uh, nepotism, and so because of that, she's always getting herself kind of in hot water because she's always trying to prove herself that she's earned her place thus it becomes a thing between her and deck nick sort of always having to get her out of situations because she's put herself in places where she's not quite ready because she's trying to prove herself that's kind of her what her backstory is now in this episode do you get that at all not really I and mean, we get rid of her real quick
1: classic nepo baby
0: yeah <laughs> i guess
1: <laughs> i also agree i was sad i, I- well, obviously, we didn't spend any time with Captain Joe Reese. He seemed like a very interesting character. I, as soon as he came on, he, like, commanded the yeah. screen. And I was just like, oh, yeah. let's spend some time with this guy.
0: And it's like, no, I think he gets two scenes in this episode.
1: But, you know, you'll never guess what happens at the police precinct, Jordan. There's a hostage taken. <laughs>
0: I know it's so funny this show it's like you think there's like it's like a choose your own adventure there's only three options they have and it's like another hostage situation in the police department and what's funny about it again is that we're speed watching this show so we're not watching all the episodes so you know how much repeat there is because we're seeing things repeated on the few episodes we've watched
1: well, the thing here is they just really need a quick way of, like, doing something violent. So they just kind of have a guy. He's, I guess he's being transported between either prisons or cells or something. He's being mm-hmm. transported through. The cops watching him are not very good. He breaks free, grabs one of their guns, and, you know, there's a bit of a standoff in the uh, in the precinct. He briefly has a hostage, but he does, he does leave the hostage behind and ends up, like, I guess, barricading himself inside of the locker room, for better or worse. And um, yeah. it's at this point that Nick gets a phone call, which is the only thing that gets him out of that awkward conversation with Natalie. Like literally, a phone call comes in and he's just like, "Hey, Natalie, I know you said you were going to kill yourself, but I gotta go. Something's happening at the police station."
0: Yeah, I gotta go to work. They need me because I'm the best negotiator they have, as per the last episode where he did no negotiating.
1: I did. I did think that as well. I'm like, Nick's not the guy you call to negotiate, but okie dokie.
0: Yeah. And Nick, I guess he has
1: a relationship with this this convict, uh, Dawkins, I believe his name is, because he's like, Dawkins. I know I locked you
0: up, but I came here to talk to you. I like that because it didn't it didn't amount to anything. Like, because I think what the sh- episode wanted was that he has a history with the guy, so thus he knows him. But he seemed like sort of a normal kind of petty criminal. It's not like this is someone who, I don't know. They had this long, long. You know, tete a tete with. He's like this gangster boss that he finally brought down or something. And so he knows his every move. It's not like that. It's like, oh, he's some guy I arrested once. I was like, okay, why are you negotiating with him?
1: Well, and Dawkins' whole thing is he just doesn't want to go back to jail. Like, this is, he's going to, he's basically trying to suicide by cop, essentially. Is that's what mm-hmm. Dawkins is really up to? So I also just like, I don't know, don't send the guy who arrested him in. Like, I think that's why he's upset. <sighs>
0: Yeah. So what he does, he goes in and he starts uh, uh, chasing the guy through or trying to find him through the, um, it's the, the like dark hallways of the police department because he's pulled the power and he eventually does get to him. And it, it was directed in a weird way. And I'm just going to kind of go through it quick. But like the kind of a scuffle happens and the guy started like shoots and w- Luke, am I wrong? What I think he does is he shoots Nick, but the bullets go through Nick and hit Tracy. That's what happened, right?
1: I think it's something like that, because what Nick finds him and he starts to glamour him, basically, He's just like, put down your yes, gun. Right. I've got the glamour powers. Um, but Nick doesn't know his partner Tracy has also snuck into the um, locker room. And uh, Tracy Vetter, She picks the absolute worst time to pop out. But basically, as he's as he's uh, glamouring this man to put down the gun, she just pops out of nowhere with her gun pulled on him. And it like, mm-hmm. you know, essentially scares scares the bad guy. The guy guy gets freaked out, ruins the glamour and he just opens fire and I think he shoots Nick a few times and Nick turns vampire like he gets hit and he goes vampire mode and now his partner seen him as a vampire and this criminal sees him as a vampire and so when Nick goes at him he just starts firing even more wildly and I think you're right like somewhere in this wildfire of bullets Tracy gets hit in the chest basically and then Nick picks up Dawkins and you know a thing you know it's tough on this show It doesn't have a huge fight budget he sort of like tosses him against the wall and then, like a scene later, like, well, you killed him. Oh my God, he killed him.
0: Yeah, and it's like, if you're gonna kill him, he should have. Di- I actually thought it should be a moment where Nick sort of lost control. You know what I mean? He, it's that uh, push and pull between his human nature and his vampire nation nature. Maybe he just grabbed the guy and, like, you know, broke his neck with his hand or something, showing the power he has at all times. Um, and you know, he felt bad about that. But again, it was like, yeah, he tossed him like a sack of potatoes. It's like, oh, okay, I guess you could die that way. Yeah.
1: And then we kind of have – he runs over to his partner who's, like, going unconscious. And I think she has, a, you know, a meaningful line where she's like, you should have told me. I'm like, okay, cool. That's the last thing you're going to say as you die and you say your are to vampire. a vampire. It's like, you could have told me you were a vampire. I'm cool with vampires.
0: I'd have been like, I may be negative. Make sure I get the right blood.
1: Um, and then – I mean, it's funny. It's, and it's funny. I thought she was dead. But then we cut and she's like, oh, she's, she's at the hospital. She's in intensive care. She might make it still. And I'm like, oh, okay. So they're not actually going to kill her. But that is just there so that uh, Captain Reese can come by and te- tell us, Jordan and I, specifically, <laughs> that both Skanky and Amanda are, uh, Cohen are dead. Yeah. In, in the purpose of the show, though, it's to remind Nick of all the, all the death that's been left behind by him in this world. He blames himself a little bit for the death of Skanky and, I guess, the death of Amanda Cohen. But it's why she's in intensive care. And I thought she was going to recover. But, like, I think what happens is Nick goes off. He does a couple other scenes. And then immediately afterwards, like, oh, she died, by the way. I'm just like, geez, everybody's going
0: to die in this episode. Yeah. And and let me just say, don't you think it would have been more interesting to the show? And perhaps I'll give the caveat of maybe this is not fair, but don't you think it would have been interesting if over the course of the three years, Nick became darker because the people around him were always dying and it kind of changed him as a person. Maybe at the beginning, he was kind of hopeful and he thought he was going to be able to change. But now he realizes just by default of being around him, he has this sort of like cancerous aspect where people just die and it's like it would have been nice to have seen that change in him how how hard he's taking it and how bad he feels about his sort of missed opportunities in life but because he's always kind of been this brooding sort of like mm, all the time I just don't know if it lands as hard as it could you know
1: I mean, I think the problem is, you know, this is pre-serialization by a lot, by a pretty weak margin. So they're not going to build in a season-arcing plot mm. that way. I think they're aiming for that. Like, I think that's the intent of this episode is as Nick is dealing with. Yeah. Like, he's becoming more aware of sort of the trauma around him, just of, of being this, like, undead thing. Um, but because, it's, because there's no time, like, you know, it, there's mm. really no chance to, like, really let it marinate or, like give the audience a chance i think that's the maybe the premise here but you're right i I, you know it's you have to do it so fast and so quick that just like it's and so much is happening it's so jarring right
0: you're right and they just have to keep killing characters because now we know the captain's dead skanky's dead and now this tracy we just met obviously you would have met her earlier in the season but this doctor detector tracy's dead too there's three there
1: is one more great element though when she's in the hospital like potentially dying and nick goes to visit her he stands over and he's thinking about Skanky's helicopter oh, explosion right. and, like, really regretting it. And he's just, like, turns into a vampire and he sort of hovers over her like he might, you know, he's, like, thinking. He's, like, do I tur- do I yeah. save her by turning into a vampire? And as he's, like, vampire face over top of her, Dr. Nat walks in the yeah. room <laughs> at that exact moment. And it's so funny because it's, like, She's like, Come it's on. like, you're caught with your pants down. It's, like, yeah. it's just, like, uh-oh. Well, sorry, it is funny Nat.
0: The literally last conversation was her being, like, turn me into a vampire. Let's just have this love that we couldn't have as a human vampire. We'll both be vampires. We'll be in love. And he's like, I just don't think I could do that. She's like, well, I'm going to kill myself if you don't do it. That's how serious I am. And he's like, hold that thought. Then he goes to the hospital. And he's like, maybe I should turn this other woman to a vampire. He's just like, <laughs> oh, Nick. Nick, no. <laughs>
1: I know. I laughed so hard. It was such a – it's so funny seeing her open the door. It, yeah. like That sort of caught in the moment thing. Yeah. It was just – yeah. I, I loved it. It, was, it made me laugh so
0: hard. <laughs> it is funny, though, because – Take it yourself out. Why was it so easy for him to have that consideration? Because of the guilt that he did it was that what the difference between turning Natalie and turning Tracy? Because you're you're uh, uh, um, sentencing the person to the same sort of fate, right? And the thing is, I understand Nick is sorry.
1: He's mourning the loss of these people in his life, but he's pretty indirectly responsible, if not responsible at all, for any of those deaths.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like yeah, it's like well, Skanky died because he was a cop. It's like well, yeah, you were a cop too, but you didn't. Like unless you bought him the plane ticket and told him to make sure to be on because you're putting a bomb on, it's like you didn't do it.
1: Yeah, will you hold this bomb for me? Will you take this
0: flight? <laughs> yeah, I just gotta tie my shoes real quick.
1: <laughs> but that's sort of that's sort of what happens with uh, old vetter. She's she's dead. That's another dead person. She's in the dead. Show. Nick then goes to visit Lacroix at the the Raven. Where I don't know if you noticed as he comes into the Raven, um, I guess they uh, found that bust he broke of himself as General Lucius and put it behind the bar. <laughs>
0: Oh, and uh, so just so you know, um, uh, Jeanette, who's gone, I don't think she's dead, but she's gone off the show too at this point. And I looked it up, LaCroix took over the bar, so he runs the Raven now.
1: I got the sense of that because there's a flashback where she says she's leaving, and then LaCroix was hanging out there. So I guess now he's got two jobs, DJ Nightcrawler and running the Raven.
0: Yeah, and I think, and people who like Forever Night, because I started, started skimming through to try to catch up. I think she came back for one episode and she's human. And there's a whole thing of, like, how did she become human? It's what Nick wants. And I do like the idea, though, that she left and she did very quickly the thing that he's been trying for hundreds of years. She's like, oh, yeah, I became human last week.
1: Well, we'll get to that because that's a big part of this episode yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. But I love he goes in. He sees he sees LaCroix. And when and he meets him, LaCroix is just there packing up. He's like, yeah, I'm getting out of town. Um, uh, I don't know why.
0: But I'll see you later. Well, no, he basically says, like, I feel like we've been here too long like we go to places and there's like a finite amount of time we should be here and it just feels like it's time to go anything we could have done here it's like i don't exactly know what specifically he was looking for but he's just like it's just time to go and i think you should come with me because there's nothing left for us here let's go somewhere let's do our dance again whether we're friends or we're enemies let's go do it somewhere else let's go restart our life
1: that's what I mean, I think, is is the purpose for him leaving is more to do with Nick's character. Uh, yeah. He, you know, he basically has to give Nick the idea that It's just, like, I can see that your life is in turmoil right now. It's time for you to move on. Like, we're at that point where you need to take a clean break. It's not healthy for you here anymore, which is nice. It's actually kind of a nice scene. LaCroix always does a nice job in his scenes, and it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, But in terms of, like, a, you know, it's a final episode, I doubt the episodes before this were
0: about LaCroix, like, looking for houses in Miami or something. Like, I'm sure this is a very sudden, like, I'm moving. Yeah, he's packed his bags before he's bought new property. Maybe put his resume in another radio station, you know, in Atlanta.
1: Exactly. He's going to pick up a new DJ job somewhere. (laughs) It did, like, though, they kind of do a few flashbacks here, which is nice for us because, obviously, we missed a lot of episodes. But in these flashbacks, they're using the opportunity to remind the audience and, for us, kind of show us a little bit more about, like, the relationship between Nick and LaCroix. Like, I think there's, like, a scene where LaCroix... Uh, watches Nick try to turn a woman he was in love with before and he accidentally kills her and tries to help her get over that grief and then shows Nick stopping LaCroix from trying to turn a human into a vampire because of their love. Like you kind of get the sense that there is more of a friendship there. Like that enemies thing probably has dissipated over two seasons and become more of a complicated friendship.
0: I think so. And I think it's a better relationship and a more interesting, more nuanced relationship for the show of this sort of like they have that connection they've talked about. Like they can't get away from it. And even if they see things differently, there is this pull towards each other. And I think that's more interesting than just like, he's your villain that shows up every now and then.
1: Well, and I think that was maybe a smart move they did in the second season, but probably something they shouldn't have done in the first... Like, if LaCroix had been alive all the first season, you probably could have spent more time doing that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, uh, clearly they re- they revamped and retconned in season two and three to kind of bring them together. Um, I think there was a... I always thought there was a misstep in the premiere was to kill him. Um, so, clearly, they have they've spent some time retconning that. Right, so. right. I'm going to mention it now because it doesn't really come up. It doesn't really matter. But we're talking about flashbacks anyway. There is a moment in this episode where they do a flashback where Nick is hanging out with Joan of Arc.
0: Yeah. Now, I wasn't sure. I don't know if he said her by name, but I was like, is that supposed to be Joan of Arc? Is that what's happening? Oh, 100% supposed to be Joan of Arc. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, and it has more to do with the idea of faith, which comes up later in the mm-hmm. episode. Like that's a, that's a topic that brought, gets brought up. But it was just very funny. It's like cutaway. It's like, remember that time I hung out with Joan of Arc? I'm like, what is the Family Guy episode?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've said it before. I just hate that. I just hate these things where they've been around for a long time. So they've met famous historical figures. It's just so dumb.
1: You know what I like, though, Jordan? What's that? Joan of Arc is also that traffic cop who
0: gave Skanky a ticket. <laughs> is she? Yeah, same same actress. Oh, that's good. You know what? I, I, they should have done this show where, like, why does she look exactly the same? But they're like, there's no reason. Just like that model. <laughs> there's only so many actors in Toronto. What are you going to do? That's right.
1: That's right. Anyway, it's at this point that Nick goes home to find Dr. Nat waiting for him so they can continue that awkward conversation they were having. And... As you alluded to earlier, this is when there's this big reveal that um, obviously Jeanette has left the show at some point, but not only did she leave the show, she found a way to become mortal. So sometime in either season two or season three, she cracked the code, the thing Nick's always been looking for, and she became human.
0: Yeah. It's like, great. Good for Jeanette. I'm happy for her.
1: And then they're like, they reveal how she did it, and I laughed and laughed. It's like, to become mortal... Oh,
0: did they? I I missed it.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, it comes up exactly. There's like, to become mortal, you need to make love by taking tiny little sips of blood just tiny little sips (laughs) every time just make love and take a tiny little sip of blood and she did that enough times with i guess a character who was her her love a mortal love she met and that's how she eventually became mortals just like making love taking tiny sips of blood good for jeanette absolutely she she really worked it out so nat basically is just like if you're not going to make me a vampire can we at least make you mortal? Like, we know how it works. We've done it before. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, like, looks at him and, you know, it's a very romantic, softly lit thing. She's like, make love to me, Nick. Mm-hmm. And Nick's like, you know what? She's right. Like, I, I put it off too long. And uh, he's reluctant. But he, he goes in and he, he, he goes in for that, like, little nibble. She's like, come in, make love to me. Take a tiny little sip. And Nick proceeds to drain all of her blood. He, he drinks all... I was like, Nick, that's too much. Nick, yeah. stop. That's too much
0: blood. Yeah, he drains all. And I don't know, and maybe you disagree, but it seemed like there was a moment, and I don't know if it was supposed to be that she's in sort of this throw of ecstasy, but I thought there was a moment the actress did this sort of uh, sort of, uh, regret. Like there was a moment where she was like, oh no, maybe this is not what I should be doing. That's what I thought mm, on her face she was doing. Maybe I'm I'm reading into it, but I thought there was... It's interesting if, if that's the case of this is what I want. I finally got it. And then as it's happening, she goes, oh, no, I see the reality of the situation as, he's, as he can't help himself really is what it is.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. I think we've seen this of Nick before is that he just has no self-control, this man. And I, we're seeing it happen here again. Like, it was a pretty simple ask. Let's, like, do little sips. Uh, and you went all in. You did a big chug. Yeah. Yeah. But what has happened is before he sort of has done this to uh, – Nat. The conversation is kind of like there's three options essentially for them that Nat lays out. And um, one, make me a vampire. That's off the table. Two, become mortal yourself. Nick's worried because if he you know, fucks up the sip in which he does immediately she'll die and he'll have to turn her into a vampire or, or let mm-hmm. her die. And then she, Nat sort of brings up this idea of faith in an afterlife basically. And she has it. She believes right. there's a world after this. And Nick who's been an undead vampire for 300 years 800 years. He's just like I don't believe in that. I don't believe in an afterlife. I think this is all we've got. And she's just like, well, I don't know where we're going to be together, but it's got to be one of those three. You mortal, me vamp, or in the afterlife, I guess, because those are the only
0: options you're giving me. It's very Wuthering Heights.
1: Yeah. So after he sucked all her blood out, she's laying there just like, just completely on the ground. Nick's fucked it up. And uh, LaCroix comes in like he's a uh, framer on Seinfeld. <laughs> he just busts through the door.
0: That's a good, that's a good analogy. He just comes just and is like, what are you guys? Oh, oh you, you dragged too much. Hey, Nick, what have you done? <laughs> Spot on. Uh, and uh,
1: LaCroix is like, well, you've got two options now. You better turn into a vampire before she completely dies or let her die. And Nick... He's been very clear up front. He's not turning her into a vampire. That's not happening. So he stands over her and lets her die. And I was just like, wild. Everybody's dying. This is just,
0: everybody's going to die. Yeah. And then he gives LaCroix, like, I guess it's like a staff of some sort. And he's basically, Yeah, it's like a stake, a wooden stake, yeah. basically.
1: It's really long. He's
0: basically like, I'm making my choice. It's option three, afterlife. And then what's the last thing that, that LaCroix says? He's basically like, you're foolish or something like that, right?
1: Well, they kind of have that continuing conversation. Like, we get that monologue. He actually goes back and gives the entire monologue he gave at the start about, like, suicide and life mm-hmm. and, like, de- depression and things. And Nick is just like, I- I've done too much damage. I've ruined all the, t- the two options I had with her that I believed in are now gone. So the only option now is I have to have the faith she had. And I guess we'll just have to be together in the afterlife.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, LaCroix, as he's done all episode, he's just like, he doesn't like it he doesn't think it's the way to go he thinks it's a mistake he thinks there's still lots of life to live but as Nick says he's like you're my best friend and you're the only one I can trust to do it because Nick I guess won't do it himself so he gives the staff over and Lacroix, you know, because they're best friends, he he raises it up above Nick and he's going to jam it into his chest and as it comes down we we hard cut we never see it actually happen but we that's the end of Forever Night. We just get a shot out of the sky and I guess Nick has also died at the end.
0: Yeah. These LaCroix killed him and everyone's dead and th- what they've left is maybe if you believe in an afterlife, maybe these two have found each other. Otherwise, that's it. They're dead. And then the credits come on. They start playing, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. (laughs) No, it's the Forever Night. No, I can't remember. I was listening to the Forever Night theme uh, in the car today just to make myself laugh. um, Because it's such a funny theme. But, uh, yeah, that's the end of the show. And arguably, maybe since Space Above and Beyond, we haven't seen a finale as dark as this.
1: I don't know if we've ever seen a finale tie up as much as this well they
0: knew they were you know they knew they were finishing
1: yeah yeah i guess maybe when we watched um first wave they really that one was pretty conclusive but i've never i don't know if i've ever seen a series conclude with the death of every single main character with the exception of lacroix
0: yeah and and that's that's the weird interesting thing if you call it, consider him as the villain or whatever he's the only one that lives and he goes he i guess is going to go off to another town and He's also just kind of left by himself because all these people, Jeanette and Nick, and all these people that have been with him for years are all gone.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess Jeanette's still alive, and maybe he'll hang out with Captain Joe Reese. He's still alive. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I guess we don't know the captain from the first season is dead, so maybe the three of them will team up.
0: (laughs) That's true. He just had a different precinct. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Yeah, I got to say, I mean— I feel many ways about this, and I went and looked at the IMDb ratings for this episode, and there's only two people have only written reviews about it, mm. and I thought it was a perfect encapsulation of the end of the series. Is One of the reviews is one star, and extremely upset, feels betrayed by the series, that this is the finale, that this is what Nat did, this is how they all die, like, he f- felt very betrayed by the end of the series. And the other review was not one star, but ten stars, and felt like it was the tonally perfect wrap up to the series. So. Mm. I'm, I'm, I feel like as a person who might have loved this show, who watched it all the way through, I, like you're either going one way that you either like this or you hate this. Like, I, it, it's such, in some ways, kind of the right move. I feel like for a series finale, like I think it's better to just take a huge swing and do something insane. You might as well end on like the craziest note. They did do, do a I huge mean, that's swing. That's what the show's doing.
0: Yeah, it, I, I would agree with that. I think. I think you could look at it either way. I, I have sort of a third option, which is that I never really liked this show very much, right? So I don't have that emotional connection, and I found—
1: Yeah, I know your third option. You're going to kill yourself and live in the
0: afterlife. Yeah, I'm going to kill myself and live in the afterlife. But but I, 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 I think you're right, though. Of, of someone who really liked this show and was invested in these characters and invested in this world, I can see how you would feel like, I can't believe you've done this. I've spent all this time, these hundreds of hours, and you've killed my characters— or if you're really into that, you love the melodrama and you love how over the top it is and this um, uh, fantasy and this romance and like, yeah, how are you going to do it? Well, we're going to kill all the characters. That's the most romantic thing ever. Right. This Shakespearean ending.
1: Yeah. I, honestly, I just I that's I just I'm like, it must be so controversial. This ending must be so controversial. To fans.
0: Yeah. Well, we should have asked Capulis how he feels. You can pay You can pay the $65 to get, get a cameo. Yeah. Please, someone do it. Just, he's like, why am I getting all these forever night questions now?
1: <laughs> Listen, I don't know if we're technically allowed to use that on a podcast, so let's not maybe alert him to it. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't want Capolos coming after me. Yeah, we're not making any money. Don't worry about it, John. <laughs> he was great, everybody. Capitalists. He was great. Cash. He's, yeah. he's, like I said, $65 for a cameo? It's a steal. It was great. Anyway, let's get to rating last night, the final episode of Forever
0: Night. Here's what I'll say. Uh, As you mentioned, very interesting idea. Very different tonally uh, from different shows. I don't know if I... I I have a knee-jerk reaction to the clip show stuff. I know it fills in some blanks, but it just also feels like uh, things are short, you know? And I didn't really love the, the monologuing. Again, I understand all the style and stuff. It just... For me, it's just not a show that works, even though I understand the mechanics and why it should. It's just something I just don't enjoy. I'm going to go right down the middle, though, and give it a 5 out of 10.
1: 5 out of 10. Yeah. yeah it's I still mean, hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's an interesting finale. Like, I yeah. would not have expected this to be the finale. No, I didn't either. I think it's pretty light on content um, in general and kind of a, a bit of a rush job. I think that's just probably due to the fact that it's not it's slightly it's lightly serialized probably like series are at this mm. time but you've got to do a lot of heavy lifting in this episode to like give people to the places you need them to be that they probably weren't at the end of the last episode
0: yeah
1: i still i think it's a i think it's too much of a mess for me to be like this is a great episode i think it's interesting uh, so i'm gonna give that's it that's why i feel it's really interesting so I'm going to give it a 6, I think. I think that's yeah. the best I can do. It's interesting. I don't necessarily love what they've done for the characters, but at least it was it was a huge swing. I yeah, I, I don't quite know how to feel about it basically. I'm just like, what a crazy way to end this series.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a sort of almost like nihilistic sort of feeling to the end of the show of just like, guess what? It was all pointless. And that's the point of being a vampire. Like, oh, okay. I mean,
1: that's fair. Like that's a great that's a real vampire trope so it's just like oh i guess
0: maybe <laughs> yeah maybe anyways but that that's forever night i mean it was a and i know it feel like i've been hard on it, i've tried to be fair i i was very excited about watching this show and i i really wanted to like it and every week i was like ah come on let's do it it just it just didn't hit it for me it was a show that uh, uh yeah it it just didn't work for me and i really wanted it to and i was excited i think you know you have to give some uh, uh give some explanation that maybe uh, you know somewhere i was looking for a show that this just didn't want to be which is maybe not fair you know
1: jordan is it bad that i knew before we even started the episode the series i knew this was i knew exactly it was going to play out it was going to play out exactly like this for you i knew from like before you? we started <laughs> i knew i know you too well i knew exactly yeah. how this was going to play out. yeah i
0: wanted to like it i remember i was like but we were joking cuz we we're you know picking shows and stuff i must have requested like 3 times i'm like it's got to be this show it's a vampire cop and then it's like oh this is not Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I
1: knew a hundred percent before we started that this was no, going to be unbearable for you. Like everything yeah. about it is everything you hate, and and shows that you watch. Like yeah. I knew it going in. So I'm impressed you stuck it out as long as you did. You made it further than I thought you ever would, uh, and you were giving it better ratings than I knew you wanted to. So I, I appreciated that.
0: But I will say, you you know, uh, you found it more interesting than I did, and uh, I'm I'm kind of surprised how much how much you got out of it or how much you found was kind of funny and how much you found was quirky and stuff, because again, I didn't. I was watching and be like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. But I I'm and we would do the recording and then after the recording I was like, are we watching the same show? Like Luke was just loving it. And it, I know you're not loving it, but I you know what I mean? Like you're you were you were getting things that I wasn't. But part of it could have just been that I was let's be honest, it's terrible. I was kind of tuning out at parts because I was just like I, you know, like a lot of shows we've watched, sometimes you get the mechanics very early on. And I'm like, well, I know that the speech that Jeanette and Nick are giving, it's back history that I don't care about. So it doesn't matter to the episode. So I'm not going to pay attention anymore. And so I would start doing that sort of thing, which is not entirely fair. But it's just because you knew what, you know, I knew who the killer was five minutes into the episode, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that is was my bigger surprise is that I, oh, I figured out what it was that people liked about it, and I was like, oh, I see what's fun about this. And I mean, I, I, like, that's the thing. Here's what I was going to say, is like, I had a sense of what genre of vampire show this was, so Mm -hmm. I knew going in, it meant it was melodrama, and it was, like, character relationships, and it wasn't going to be, like, the, like, best, this wasn't going to be interview with a vampire, this was going to be a subversion of that. Right, right. And so I know, I know that as soon as people start talking about relationships and, like, just non-meaning, like, not non-meaningful things, but things that aren't like going to be part of the plot. I knew it was going to be something that was going to be a drag for you. So I think you put up with it longer than I expected. And I, you know, good for you.
0: Well, thank you. I don't know how much credit I should get, but I should say it, it leaves an interesting uh, uh, question. Though is for people who might be listening to this, is this a show you might like? It really is. Do you lead more? where Lucas, do you wear lean war where i am in terms of like preferences because like on our venn diagram you and i have pretty pretty close uh things we seem to enjoy or not like but this one is a little bit different and i guess it really depends on what you kind of like and don't like how much you're gonna get out of this type of show you know like you could have very different experiences clearly yeah yeah i think
1: this is the kind of thing is, is like if you like an interview with a vampire if you like a twilight if you like mm. that kind of like yeah really like over the top kind of emotionally driven thing like
0: irony free
1: it's not a great version of this but it's the kind of thing you might be able to put on the background and get used mm. to the characters and kind of have fun with those yeah, characters yeah if if you're like sit down you're like vampire cop what kind of crazy adventures is he gonna get up to this is not for you. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs>
0: and that's so don't be like me people <laughs> <laughs>
1: well jordan you want to hear what the final rating is with it with our last our last two our last two ratings in the thing oh i think it's gonna be just about
0: five like right over there in the middle
1: it's it's pretty close. I think we find we come to the final conclusion of a four point eight eight on the yeah, series.
0: Yeah, and a lot of shows kind of fall under that. We're like, obviously, once we take the escape pod, they're just under a five. But it's it's just about there. And yeah, again, it kind of depends. I think if you're, you know, if it was just your scores, it's what more of like a five and a half, six. And if it's more me, it's more of a three and a half, four.
1: Yeah, I think you come closer to a four, and I come closer to like a six for yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. So pretty fair.
1: Yeah, I think that's a reasonable aspect. Like I think if you think about both of our uh, journeys on the show, you can <laughs> see about where we fell. Also...
0: Now, let me ask you this. Do you think people are going to pick this for bonus episodes for charity? Well... They might. Uh, there is one episode. I'm not gonna.
1: I'm not gonna tell you what it is. But maybe. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll want the AIDS episode. I don't know. But I do know there's one episode that a few people brought up that we didn't get to. It was on our list, but we didn't get to it. Yeah. And I also was very interested in it. So maybe they'll come back. Who's it's not the
0: one where uh, Natalie uses the blood to help the mentally challenged teenager, is it? <laughs> that sounds. That sounds horrific.
1: <laughs> I mean, now that you've brought it up, who knows? Like anything's on the table now. But. <laughs> As I've said repeatedly uh, over the last few weeks, Mm. and I'm going to do it again as quickly as I can here, we have bonus episodes for charity. You make a donation to a charity as chosen by our past guests. We'll go back and watch a show from a series that we have, uh, that we skipped over, like an episode mm-hmm. of a series that we skipped over. So like in Forever Night, we're doing best of, we're doing the top three episodes of each se- each season. And in this case, we also took the escape pod. It leaves a lot of episodes we didn't end up watching. Yeah. So maybe there's a special one in the mix there. You're like, oh, I really wish these two idiots would go back and watch <laughs> this for some reason and talk about it for uh, 45 minutes. Vampire This AIDS. is your opportunity to do that. You can get all the details at continuumdrag.podbean.com. That's the website. Or on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I don't know if it's on Facebook, but hopefully. Uh, there are links to our <laughs> yeah. website, and the links that will bring you right to uh, the bonus episodes for charity write-ups. You can learn all about it. You can click some more, follow some links, and you'll find out all the episodes we haven't watched. All that information's there. If you have any questions on how it works, you use emails, continuumdrag at gmail.com, and I can explain it far more succinctly in the written form. So, you know, <laughs> lots of ways to t- ask us questions about it.
0: Yeah. And don't tell him that, uh, J- don't tell John Kaplos we had him on our show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was the unwitting guest of Continuum Drag. <laughs> at any rate if you want any clips from these episodes and uh there's a few there's a few fun clips from these you know it's only one episode so we had to pull a bunch
0: you know it's a great clip what we we both mentioned was the weird dissolves and the moving camera of that conversation between uh Nick and Natalie it's insanely directed like it's it's such a, it's like a michael bay choice you're like why would anyone do this for this scene
1: yeah there's some, there's some interesting stuff there i i definitely have natalie saying what the <laughs> oh yeah when nick goes
0: ah i'm a vampire
1: but there's some fun clips. There's some fun clips. So You're yeah. going to see those on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Continuum Drag is the handle on all of those. But that's it. This wraps up Forever Night, Jordan. You're free. You're free to live free. your life in the U. Yeah. You don't have to fall in love with Nick anymore.
0: That's true. Him and his. He, he cut his hair, too, huh? Yeah, I know. All new
1: hair. All new hair. Imagine we'd gone two more episodes. You'd be begging LaCroix to kill you. <laughs> Probably true. All right. Well, listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, I'll see you next week. I'll see you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.